obviously it's the national pastime and I think it'll always kind of think it'll always stay that way just the historical significance will always give it that spot it's kind of modeled the progress of the U.S. in general I feel like in a lot in a way both good and bad you know what's moving into the future but you also have to recognize the past and I think they're doing a really good job of that it's really like one of the last mainstream vestiges of Americana as it was and I think that's just kind of one of the best things about it what's up bucket heads thanks for tuning in and welcome to episode number 117 of the baseball bucket list podcast I'm your host Anna Tomaso, and each week on the show I speak with a different baseball fan about their favorite memories what's left on their baseball bucket list and what the game of baseball means to them This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Paul Willems from the Milwaukee area. Paul is a lifelong Brewers fan who fell in love with baseball thanks to a combination of childhood memories and the baseball cards he collected as a kid. We chat a lot about the game of baseball and how it's changed since each of us were kids, how Wisconsin is kind of a sneaky baseball powerhouse, and how social media seems to be a big difference maker and how younger generations are embracing baseball and other sports. I really enjoyed this conversation I had with Paul, and it made me consider some things about the game I hadn't really thought about before, so I want to get right into it. Now, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy some baseball banter with Paul Willems. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today on the Baseball Bucket List. How are things in Wisconsin? Things are good. Uh, You know, obviously, we got football season coming up here soon, so everyone's hyped up about that. Uh, Brewers. As of right now, I know hopefully this uh, doesn't age horribly, but they're doing pretty well right now. They just lost the last couple to the Cubs, so the division lead got a little tighter, but looking pretty good, though. Yeah. You know, we're we're into the last 30 or so games of the season now, and it's getting, it's getting real. It's do or die, as they say, so it's going to mm-hmm. be an exciting next couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure, and I think I saw something that, like, a lot of the games they play left are against teams that are below 500 and people are like, well, if they don't collapse, they should have it. And it's like, but they've also, you've probably seen how they played against like the Rockies and the athletics and teams like that this year. It hasn't been the smoothest sailing. So uh, anything can happen. I mean, as baseball fans, we know that more than anybody. So yeah, right. And then the postseason can be pure chaos. So it should be, it should be fun, but sure. I want to get started. You know, the first question I'm going to ask you is, how is it that you fell in love with the game of baseball? Oh, man. Um, I've been thinking about that like this whole time because I know it's your first question, but um, it's just kind of a combination of things. You know, when I was younger, I was always the one I would, like I was a pretty big card collector when I was a kid, um, kind of falling out of it now. Unfortunately, it's a little bit of an expensive hobby nowadays, but um I was a big uh, collector, like mid-2000s or so when I was growing up and kind of just was the guy that would read all the stats on the back and like know everything there is to know. I think that kind of helped with the understanding of like new analytics and stuff like that, but just kind of that and, you know, um, just the memories of going to baseball games with my parents, whether it was brewery games or Timber Rattler games are the minor league team up here. And uh, 
uh, played T-ball, all that jazz. So I think it was just a combination of things. It was just, I think Planet helped especially. It was just the first sport that I really fell in love with. Yeah, that's cool. So when you were collecting cards, did you have like a guy that you, you know, were trying to get as many cards as possible of, or mm-hmm. did you just kind of collect whatever was available? Um, it's just kind of like whatever I got sort of. Um, so like my first favorite player ever was uh, Ben Sheets. And that was partially because those early 2000s, like, 2003-04 era Brewers teams were not very good. And, but among all those guys, you had one of the best pitches in baseball at the time. And also I was born on the 15th, and so he was number 15. And so I kind of latched onto him in that way a little bit too. He was definitely my first favorite player, but I'd say when I was collecting, I would get extra excited for like my favorite players in general at the time. You know, those the Brewers, Prince Fielder, or... Pujols, Jeter, guys like that. So wasn't really someone I was looking for in particular, but there were definitely guys that were on the top of my list, kind of. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you said you were a big stats guy on the back of the card. When I was a mm-hmm. kid and I was, I grew up collecting baseball cards, and I remember too, like you could go to like Kmart it was that my dad would take <laughs> me to on, you know, like a Saturday and for $20 you could buy like I it must have been like 500 cards or something crazy like that and I would read the back of the card never could really like wrap my head around stats as a a young kid but I loved the parts where it was like you know his favorite ice cream is mint chocolate chip or something like that so a little bit of a different like collector I guess but baseball cards were the best and they they really were Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of why, like, I remember specifically, like, the cards that I got a lot of, because it was, like, the time specifically that I was really collecting were, like, the tops cards from, like, 05 through 07, I'd say. It's probably about when I was collecting the most, and so I remember those in particular, but they kind of had, like, for at least a lot of the cards, they had little things like that on the side. It was more so, like, what they did the season before, or, like, effects, like, biographical fact about them but um even just having like those easier to digest things kind of like what you were talking about um especially at that age was a good thing for those so yeah it kind of connects you to the players a little more and feel like you know them a little bit but that's cool okay so born and raised in the milwaukee area it sounds like you mentioned the timber rattlers would you say you go to more of their games or more brewers games I would say it's it's more Timber Rattler games because um, now where I'm at, they're right, they're pretty much right down the road uh, from me. Plus, you know, minor league baseball. I think something I've just always loved about it is just how much, like, not how much easier it is to access necessarily from like even from like a financial standpoint. Because even though there's like the whole thing of, you know, oh how expensive major league games are, it's like if you use like, I mean. I'm not the biggest fan of a lot of third-party websites, but if you use, like, a third-party ticket seller and, like, bring your own food in, like, you can do it at a lot of stadiums mm-hmm. and all that. Like, it's really not that bad. And so even, not even from that standpoint, but, like, even after the minor league contraction, just how many how many teams that there are and, like, how many just how many different places have a minor league team close to them. 
uh, pretty much no matter what level it's at. I mean, even just in Wisconsin, we have we have two teams in the Midwest League in the single A ranks, and up here and then down in Beloit. So, really, just the accessibility of being able to, if someone's looking for a game for the family to go to, and they're a lot more likely to have a minor league team closer to them than a major league team. So, I think just the accessibility that way, and you know, like kind of the fan more a little more fan centric focus of it um it's just something i've always really liked about it so i kind of make, make it a uh, point to go to um more of theirs if i can i'm with you and too about the your point about accessibility like fighting traffic out of a 40,000 crowd sellout major league game is um a little more anger inducing or like hair pulling outing if that's a word it is now yeah <laughs> then uh you know just kind of like meandering around the the minor league park so i i hear you there i know there have been a handful of professional players who have who have come from that area but kind of give us your perspective on wisconsin as a baseball hub if you're looking for like and i, I was looking today there's 10 people who went to high school in wisconsin that have played at the majors at some point this year um, including obviously uh, Gavin Lux with the um, Dodgers who tore his ACL during spring training, which was really unfortunate. He was going to be a big guy for them this year. Mm-hmm. But even like Alex Call from the uh, Nationals, Ben Roadbed, who's a catcher up with the Yankees right now, a um, couple other guys, and, you know, obviously Craig Council, hometown guy, um, went to Whitefish Bay, Brewers manager, former. Former Brewers manager Harvey Keen's actually from Wisconsin, which I didn't know that, so that's cool. Um, but just really, it's quick saying, just if you're looking for some of the more under-the-radar guys even that might be coming up through the ranks or coming to Major League Baseball soon, I think Wisconsin's an underrated place to look. So You got to tell us about this day job you have, right? Like. From my understanding, you're a social media manager, but for mm-hmm. a music venue? Uh, yeah, so it's for a um, local music venue, and we it's all uh, it's all original stuff, singer-songwriters mainly, but we have uh, bands that do their own um, music as well, and we are under the umbrella of the Milo Music Festival. It's uh, um, same thing, 100% original music. It's all... It's in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin, where I'm based. It's first weekend of August every year. It just wrapped up a few weeks ago, and uh, was actually something that my uh, that my dad uh, conjured up with a musician who's from the area uh, about ten years ago. Now uh, this year was the tenth one, and so it's been it's been pretty cool. I came on uh, came on last year, um, just kind of taking something like that on kind of fits into my background of being a journalism major and so I'd I'd be curious to hear like what your thoughts are about how different the social media kind of atmosphere or environment has become over the last few years with mm-hmm. um obviously the minor league teams it's it's like there's a hierarchy in my perspective of like you have these independent teams who have really no kind of like big brother oversight to them that can say whatever they want to say, it seems. Then you have the minor league teams who are affiliated, but they're kind of like off the radar of major league baseball. 
and then mm-hmm. the major league teams, which are they've been very buttoned up until the recent past, where they've they've kind of started jabbing at each other and making jokes. But I mean, as someone who runs a social media account as your day to day job, what do you think about kind of the the evolution of social media and baseball here recently? I I think it's been really something to um, something to witness, really. In, in a way, I think it really started with the whole uh, let the kids play thing mm. that they did before. I think it was either like the 2019 or 2018 season, kind of when like, you know, Ronald Acuna and guys like that were coming up, just really starting their careers. And Fernando Tatis and guys like that. I think that kind of got the light bulb off in the head of Major League Baseball in general, I feel like. And I think it had been kind of... Uh, little bit of like there's there's the narrative that what like, there's the uh, podcast or whatever that's up uh, baseball is baseball is dead and so it's kind of like poking fun at that narrative um and i think part of that is you know just the whole idea that they hadn't really progressed with the times when it comes to like social media and things of that nature like he said it was kind of they were still kind of serious like uh, buttoned up mm-hmm. uh, highbrow sort of institution as far as sports is concerned you know nba had really started early 2010s they had really started um to get on top of the social media stuff nfl pretty much has been since the beginning um obviously with as big of a brand as they are so i mean even looking at like one of my favorite accounts is minor league promos where they just show off all the different they just retweet all the different ones and stuff and there was one today where it was like the it was a triple A thing. I think it was um like the margaritas versus the uh Michelatas for like um <laughs> for like Latin, one of the Latin yeah. games or whatever. Yeah. And so I thought that was cool. Obviously the Timber Rattlers have the really popular um Utter Tuggers identity every year. Yep. Um that's always one of the more circled ones for a lot of people. Um when they look at stuff like that. And then outside of minor leagues, you got the Savannah Bananas, which have just blown up through TikTok pretty much and they've they've sold out their like US tour for this year um going into next year I just saw walking into I'm doing this from my office um but I saw walking in that they just got a uh, a collab with 47 for a few hats so um just seeing stuff like that get huge just pretty much off of just a big social media presence is really cool. I think I think that's so well put. And I think of, um, you mentioned the NBA and the NFL, which are obviously, like, those are two sports that there has never seemed to have been a lull in younger generations kind of staying attached or becoming attached to the game, right? Mm. There's all the talk about baseball being dead and baseball's in trouble and like the younger kids don't want anything to do with it. And I feel like recently it's almost like MLB woke up to a certain extent and started maybe investing some time and energy into social media and just kind of speaking the language of the next group of people who are supposed to fall in love with the game. So. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you just kind of like slap your forehead and say, "Okay, guys, what took so long?" But at least, at least they're there now or moving in that general direction. Yeah, and I think you know, 
um, that kind of extends to other parts of um, how they're kind of operating now, you mm-hmm. know, with um, going to, I don't know when they started the London series, but they've been doing the London series for a few years. They played games in uh, Puerto Rico. Um, they have the Little League Classic now, the Field of Dreams game. They've been, which that also incorporates uh, minor league baseball too, which is really cool. Yeah, right. Um, but then they're playing like the game at, um, I think it's called Rickwood, that mm-hmm. like really old park in uh, Alabama next year. So that's going to be really cool. One of these days, I just hope the Brewers get it on one of those things. But really, I think it's kind of adapting with how things are moving in um, the sports world, like NFL and NBA are going international too even mm-hmm. um just because really especially from where baseball and basketball are concerned they're becoming such international sports with a lot of the top guys in both leagues um being more uh more and more uh foreign players mm-hmm. through different initiatives that both leagues have done and so but just seeing how they've like you said kind of woken up and i think they kind of realized a little bit like we kind of have to do have to do something a little bit here to expand our to expand our audience which i mean baseball's always kind of been the um global game apart from soccer so i think the fact that it took them this long to start doing stuff like that too is a little surprising but that and like the new rules and just everything are really contributing to i think a spike in more natural to make a pun uh spike in interest that hasn't really been there since really like the late 90s, I would say. Yeah, right. Since the home run chase, I think, is like the biggest, mm-hmm. the the most recent time that I can remember there being this much interest because they put out the numbers each week. There's always the tweet about how, you know, attendance records are being broken. It's the highest attendance for years and years and years. And um, that's pretty exciting stuff. And I can only imagine what the postseason this year will look like based on just, you know, how hard it is to get tickets to like a regular game now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't looked at like any of those apps I was talking about before, but I mean, I'm pretty sure the last time I looked, there wasn't a potential ticket for the, for a Brewers opening series at home that was less than maybe they usually go down by the time the game comes right. around, but um, like right now, probably about one thirty, mm-hmm. and so just like, and I mean, this is the best. Like just talking from strictly a Brewers perspective, this is the best that the team has consistently been in forty years, basically since the Robin Yount era, and so uh, just the I, I think just the excitement in a lot of different markets between here and then you go to like Baltimore where they've just come out of nowhere really i mean people expected a lot from them this year but i don't think anyone could have expected what's going on over there um and i've just seen videos and stuff from camden yards and it's just hopping there every game milwaukee and baltimore are kind of cities like that where it's like you give them a team to to really come out and see and they'll definitely do it right like yeah two of the more passionate fan bases in the league i would say yeah that's a good point. I hadn't ever thought of before, but I mean, obviously, as a Rays fan, I'm thrilled to death to see so many new faces in this picture down the stretch. You have mm-hmm. 
you've got Baltimore and Tampa Bay duking it out in the East. You got the West, which is all shook up, and that's exciting to see. So, I mean, there's just a lot of potential for teams that haven't necessarily been involved in this this part of the season, this late in the game. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely playing a role in, you know, how excited people are right now. Yeah, and I mean, and another one is my uh, my dad probably last month before the deadline, he had said something that regardless of whether the Angels ended up dealing Otani or not, which obviously they didn't and things have not gone the way that they hoped they would, but uh, basically that wherever he goes next year, we'll have to try to see if the Brewers play them or, well, I mean, they will because of the new schedule, but mm-hmm. um, hope that they play him at home so that we can go see him. And I think, you know, like even really, I think all things considered, he's kind of the biggest player they've had in that aspect in who knows how long. Like he kind of has has an aura that hasn't been seen since Bonds for sure. Right. And just really, you know, like if this guy's coming to your coming to your stadium, you're gonna want to try to drop everything to go get a chance to see him. And I think just that has become huge and Japan as big of a baseball country as it is it never really had a reason to get invested in the MLB on such a huge scale besides besides the Ichiro. You mm-hmm. know, you had Daisuke Matsuzaka and guys like that come through that didn't exactly pan out, but I think baseball couldn't be happier because that's about as ravenous of a baseball country as there is in the world. And now you have the next big guy coming from from there and he is the biggest star in the game now yeah face of major league baseball for sure like (laughs) for sure so yeah that's definitely true what comes to mind if i ask you what your favorite baseball memory is um i'd say my favorite baseball memory i mean besides just the general you know i think um, we were talking about how much baseball's gone into the future. I think like what's so great about it is it can really transport you. Like really, every time you go into the stadium, I feel like you see the field fan out when you walk out from the concourse. You smell like smell the grass, smell the peanuts, all that kind of stuff, and just kind of takes you back every time you go to the stadium. But I'd say the most fun that I've probably had watching baseball was just really a lot of the stuff surrounding the Brewers of 2018 with Yelich and um, just how how really underrated that team was, I feel like. And that playoff run with the game 163 with the Cubs and that September comeback. Um, I remember my best friend and I were probably the most nervous I've ever been watching a baseball game was 163 against Chicago and my best friend and I were watched the whole game from my uh, parents living room and we were both just like super tense the whole time and just like the joy we both had when they uh, secured the win and then obviously the run they went on and came up a game short of making the series but that was a really cool team to watch and but I'd say that joint on top with um well, actually, I'd say my favorite, now that I'm thinking about it, would be my dad surprising me with tickets to game one of the division series in 2011 against uh, 
Arizona um, was like the day before. And so I came downstairs and he had two tickets waiting. And so we went the next day and they ended up winning that game. I don't remember the exact score, but whenever I think about that, I always throw like the highlights on YouTube up and just kind of watch that and relive it a little bit. I think that's another good thing. It's just how far baseball media has come that you can do that. Yeah, it used to be that if you if you had a memory about a game, you'd uh, you'd check the box score and see if, how accurate your memory was. But now you can actually dial it up and watch highlights. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Have you been to any ballparks other than Milwaukee Major League Parks? Um, surprisingly, only one. I've been to my uh, den. I went to a game at Wrigley in 2015. Um, so it was still like, not that current Wrigley is in Wrigley, but it was still old old Wrigley. They were kind of like starting the renovations a little bit, either that or they were going to after that season. So I was pretty happy that I got to see it without the without that screen in left center. So just kind of a little bit more classic. And I remember a guy was walking behind us that was in Cubs here, and he was like, he asked us where we were from, and so we told him we're from right by Green Bay, about two out, two and a half hours away. And he goes, uh, he just goes, you drove two and a half hours for this game. His neither, <laughs> his really neither of the teams were very good that year. And so Brewers ended up getting stomped, I'm pretty sure. But really just seeing, that was like the first major um, stadium that I wanted to knock off of my, off of my bucket list. Um, but I'd say really then you got like, Pretty much it was like that, Fenway, Yankee, and Dodger Stadium. Those are like my main, my top three left. Yeah, I never got to Wrigley before they did those renovations. It was, um, I was there in 18, I think, maybe. Okay. So it was still under construction at that time, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Like, they were just kind of like wrapping things up at that point. But I have regrets about that. Like I wish I had seen it in its kind of more original glory before all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of like people ask like, Oh, if you had a time machine or like, if you could go back in time, what would you do? And I think, and I was thinking about this before, just how baseball, whether it's like numbers or whatever, is just such a, obviously it's the national pastime. And I think it'll always kind of think it'll always stay that way. I think in a sense that football's kind of taken the community slash like overwhelming popularity yes, or more so the overwhelming popularity aspect of being the national pastime that baseball had mm-hmm. um, when it was at its peak and really before just the NFL merged and became a thing it is now. But I think really just the community and the, just the historical significance of baseball will always have, will always give it that spot. You know, it's kind of modeled the progress of the U S in general, I feel like in a lot, in a way, both, both good and bad, you know, with just Jackie Robinson integration and um, how that was received at the time to, to just how the league has expanded where pretty much all the teams were on the East coast. And then it was like, we'll put some in Minnesota. We'll put one in like the middle of the country and then we'll go out West. And now 
obviously like teams are expanding in pretty much every league into different markets. Vegas, as controversial as that is in baseball right now. Right. It really just comes down to what we've been saying where it's moving into the future, but you also have to recognize the past. And I think they're doing a really good job of that. And I think that's just kind of, it's really like one of the last mainstream vestiges of Americana as it was sort of baseball is. And I think that's just kind of one of the best things about it. I agree. And I think, you know, I like, don't get me wrong. I'll watch a football game if it's there. Like, it's just, it's not my sport. I don't get excited about it the way that I get excited about baseball. But Mm -hmm. baseball is there every day, too. Like, today's an off day for a whole lot of teams. And I think we had four games today. And Mm -hmm. I just don't know what to do with myself. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm I'm a little concerned. I always get kind of just like... uh, punchy after the end of the the season like after the world series wraps up because i just it becomes so ingrained and it becomes a part of your day-to-day life whether or not you're you're physically watching each game it's there in the back of your mind and it's it's like an old friend that you know you can always come back to and Mm -hmm. i just don't think that the other sports are like that because they're not there every single day like that they're not checking in on you basically and you know just giving you something to do Mm -hmm. yeah i agree and i mean this has kind of always been the narrative but that baseball and i think people are starting to come around to this a little more baseball is the best live sport to attend for sure i would say um just because football has and i mean baseball had this problem for a long time but uh football just has way too many ad breaks to really enjoy watching it in person um, there's a timeout every like five minutes, it seems like. But, right. and I mean, basketball, obviously, it's nonstop up and down. But I feel like at the same time, the kind of those shorter as they are now uh, moments in baseball, you know, just between pitches and the pitcher going back to the mound and getting ready for the next one, I think it kind of provides the best of both of those things where it's like there's not action happening all the time and for some people that can be really overwhelming yeah but at the same time the new rules have just significantly made it it's a lot easier of a even as a hardcore baseball fan it's a lot easier of a tv watch now as it used to be um like you can throw on a nationally televised game or a local game whatever and i remember opening day i think it was Brewers think they lost it like two or three nothing, but um, two game. But I've been to three games this year. The one I went to with my best friend at the end of April, um, the game was two hours 14 minutes long, yeah. And we were staying at a hotel about half a mile away from the stadium where we could walk to it. And part of us was like, obviously, we're not used to that because we hadn't been to a game where the new rules were in effect, so it was like super quick. But at the same time, it was nice to be done with a game by like 8.30. Right. And then like before that, my dad and I went to a game, drove from up here about an hour and a half down. Um, the game was at 6.40. We were home by 11, which is, which is like unheard of. We would always be home <laughs> at like midnight, 12.30 before. And right. so it was like just a lot of, I, and I think that's brought a lot of casual people to 
want more casual people to baseball. You know, they definitely kind of catch wind of how they're not as long now, so they would maybe sometimes be like, like, oh, maybe next time. But then, like, someone asks wants them to go to a game in a group with them or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, okay, I may end up having a having a pretty good time. And I think that's really now going forward how a lot of um, the new fans are going to come about. I agree. I've seen it with my own eyes here in Texas. Uh, you know, obviously a better product they've put on the field this year, but I think mm-hmm. you see a lot more like families with kids and that's out of the question beforehand if the games are running four hours. So I give Major League Baseball credit for shortening the games instead of the season because I would have mm-hmm. it would have been a much tougher pill to swallow if they had cut games instead of yeah. length of game. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, I remember pre, um, or like during the lockout, um, that was, uh, I don't remember how much of a talking point that was as a possibility, but I think I remember that being in particular a big point of player contention. They were like, if, I mean, obviously for um, contract purposes, but it was like, if, right. if it comes down to one or the other, we're like on the surface, they were like, we're not going to be the biggest fans of having to cut certain stuff out of the game but if it means that over getting rid of games then whether they were um whether they were true and the you know they were bringing a lot of their points up for the fans or not um which i mean was a little bit of both i'm sure but like you said i think that was for sure the right move from both a fan's perspective and from the game's perspective yeah definitely it's it has to be a grind of a season. Like it's the only sport or I shouldn't say it's the only, it is one of the only sports where you can go through rough patches and still come out on top. You know, your season's mm-hmm. not over if you lose two games or anything like that. So that's, that's one of my favorite points about it is that it, it emulates life much, much closer than, than some of these other sports that have shorter seasons. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Yeah. Prime example is the 22 um, or the 21 Braves where they were, I don't remember what they were at one point, but I think they were like eight, nine games under 500 Mm -hmm. in June. And then um, just went on a tear that like now they bet they've been on this entire season practically, but it was like that for like the last two months of 2021. And then they just rode that all the way to the world series. And so, really just wild card teams in general. That's how they've kind of always kind of how baseball's always structured those teams to get into the playoffs the way they do and then just ride that wave of momentum uh as far as they can take it. And I think that's what just really makes the the chase, whether you look at twenty eleven with the Cardinals or whatever, it makes the whole season really interesting. Yeah. For sure. Team chaos. Yeah, I like it. Um, What's left to check off on the baseball bucket list? Like, what's that number one thing that you got to see or place you got to go, person you got to meet? Yeah, um, I would say my main one is whether whether the Brewers make it or not, which obviously I hope they do. I mean, I know the Cubs won 108 years without winning the World Series. They hadn't been to one in trying to do the math in my head then been to one in like 60 61 years or something um in between 71 or something in between world series appearances so hope 
hope it doesn't come to that, but um, I think really just getting to experience a World Series game is probably on the top of my list. When I was like going to journalism school, it was more so a dream to cover the World Series someday, but unfortunately, as of right now, it hasn't really worked out that way, so um, it would just be as a fan, but that's probably at the top, and then just a lot of the major um, statistical things are like one game things, seeing a no hitter, which came really close to that one time. I saw a double one hitter uh, at a Brewers Braves game, and I think it was Matt Garza that he took one into the seventh or eighth inning, and then Chris Johnson hit a homer off him, and that was the only run, only hit he gave up the whole game. And the Braves pitcher only gave up one, too. And so that was a, that was a painful one because I was like, I was that close. But, and I mean, obviously perfect game is so, so much more rare that I think the no-hitter is the actual one on the list because it's <laughs> more of a possibility. It might happen, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but just like every time you go to the game, there could be something that even after – after the fact, you don't notice that it happened during the game, but you see something online or whatever, and it's like, oh, so-and-so became the second player to ever do this in a game. And it's like, you don't even, it's it's kind of one of those like where they're kind of reaching for it, but it's like, you don't even think about that. And so I think um, I just kind of take things as they go a little bit in that regard, kind of just taking as much as I can and, see what I see, basically. Yeah, that's a good perspective. I like that a lot. So it's a good answer. Paul, I've had a blast chatting with you. I can't thank you enough for making time to do this. If someone wants to keep up with you online, if they want to follow along with your your baseball journey, where's the best place for them to do that? I would say the best place for them to do that. I am trying to, um, I did some freelance stuff at one point, so I'm kind of trying to get back into that. But for now, uh, it would just be my Twitter, which is uh, Paul underscore Willems, uh, one to five, and the last name uh, is spelled W I L L E M S. So that's how that's how you would find me. And if I get around to doing stuff like that, I will be sure to uh, make it known there. So awesome! I look forward to to catching up with that and seeing what's in store for the future. Paul, thank you so much for joining us, and um, really just look forward to you know what's next and see what happens down the stretch here. Oh, for sure. Thank you for having me on. And that will wrap up this episode of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. Special thanks to Paul Willems for joining us today and sharing those stories and memories. If this sounds like something you'd like to do, if you think you might like to be a guest on the show, head to baseballbucketlist.com slash podcast and fill out an application. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. While you're there, make sure to spend some time on the site. Sign up for a free membership, build your own baseball bucket list, attend those ballpark visits, and connect with other fans just like yourself. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next episode.